Welcome to episode seven of How We Got Here. Okay, this is our behind the scenes bonus episode. So many of you have asked us what goes into making these podcasts. So we're going to give you a little look. But don't worry, we will be back in your life very soon with season two. I'm an investigative reporter with WWBT NBC 12 in Richmond, Virginia. I also work for Investigate TV. You can find some of my stories at investigatetv.com. So while this podcast is being written and recorded, I'm actually working on several other projects and investigations for the Daily News in Richmond. For example, while we were writing about Patrick Henry's death in episode one, we were going undercover exposing illegal odometer rollbacks in vehicles across the country. So we have a lot going on, but we love making this. I have to say, this is probably my most favorite project that I've ever done for NBC12. And I'm doing this with two incredible people that I need you all to meet. You hear my voice, but their blood, sweat, and tears are in this project as well. So the first question that we always get is, how did this podcast start? Well, that's thanks to our digital director, Kate Albright, who happens to be joining me right now. Hi, Kate. Hello. So Kate had me storm into her office like normal. And she's like, oh, what does Rachel want now? And (laughs) true story. And I said, I want to do a podcast. I pitched all these true crime ideas. And then she thought about it. And then she comes back to me a few days later. And you had this great idea for this podcast. So how did we get here? I really like history and I'm really into learning about the cities I live in because as a journalist, as you know, Rachel, we move around a lot. And when I was working in Toledo at my last job, I worked with a man who wrote a book called Day by Day in Toledo. And he went through every single day of the year and found big things that happened throughout history that made an impact on people. And so I wanted to do the same thing in Richmond to kind of help myself learn and of course teach everybody else. So if you recognize Kate's voice right now, it's because that's also the voice of our sponsor advertisement. And we want to just point out that when you support our sponsors, you help us make this possible. Yes, a huge thank you to the Virginia Museum of History and Culture. If you guys have not gone there, I really encourage you to. So Kate, what has been your favorite episode? I have a favorite episode, but I definitely have a few favorite segments. The Elvis segment was one of mine, as well as the Arthur Ashe. I don't know if it's because the background music was so fun to edit in both of those or what, but I definitely really liked those. And what I'm not telling you is that Kate has a special skill. She's also our mix master. How this works is Colton will write, I will write, we'll track everything, we'll edit everything. But then Kate comes in and she goes, what the heck did Rachel just lay down? No, (laughs) she comes in and she really cleans it up so that when you're listening on your Bluetooth or your car, it sounds great. She also likes to come tell me that I sounded too broadcasty and I need to come back and be a real person. (laughs) It's true. She's not a real person. If you've ever met her, you'd know she's a robot. (laughs) That is not true. I do not resemble that remark. 
No, but Kate, talk about the mixing of this podcast. Well, my job is actually really fun and not a lot of hard work. Rachel and Colton do all the hard work. They hand me a project with a bunch of different audio cuts with some music, and I just go through to make sure that all the levels are good, everything sounds clean, everything transitions well. And then we all go and we have to listen. Everyone has to listen to my voice over and over again to make this happen, right, Kate? Yeah, it's actually pretty calming at this point. It might be... (laughs) I don't know if I'm at the level of I could fall asleep to Rachel DePompa's voice, but I'm getting there. What do you think of the intro music, Kate? Because to me, that was the moment where it became real. Rachel came to my office one day and she said, we have it. We have the theme music. And I did not believe her. I was soon proven wrong because she found it and it was perfect. It gets stuck in our head here, so we hope it gets stuck in your head there. Anything else, Kate, that you think is important people know about this podcast or what happens behind the scenes? We know history isn't always the most exciting topic, so we really did our best to try to make it fun and exciting and really fast-paced so kids can listen to it, anyone can listen to it. Even if you've lived in Richmond your entire life, there's probably something in this podcast that you have never heard of before. Kate, thank you so much for coming on and introducing yourself to our audience. And we're so happy to have Kate really supporting us on this project. Thanks, Rachel. And to everyone listening, thank you. We really could not continue doing this if we didn't have such a large, loyal audience. We're already so excited to bring you season two. Planning is well underway, so don't worry. We will be back in just a few short months. These stories would not happen without the wit and pen of executive producer Colton Weekly, who happens to be joining me right now. Hi, Colton. Hi, Rachel. So you probably hear me mention Colton in the podcast often. I say my producer Colton went on this interview or my producer Colton wrote this piece. I want you to know that he researches and writes about 80% of the stories I'm telling you. He's our fact checker. Well, let's just face it. He's a history geek, right, Colton? I am now. I wasn't originally a history geek until I moved to Virginia where I was surrounded by history, and then now I can't get enough of it. When we came to you and said we want to do this podcast, it was a no-brainer for you, right? 100%. I'm kind of the nerdy geek producer, I guess, that loves history, nature, space, you name it. I try to include a story a day when I'm producing my normal show on the 5 o'clock news. When Rachel said, let's do a history podcast, I was definitely on board from the very start because it's something that I really enjoy. It is so difficult to put these together. There's so much that goes into it. Were you surprised, Colton, at how difficult it is to create these episodes? I was incredibly surprised because you hear podcasts and you think it's just two or three people sitting in a room around a microphone and they record it and they hit send and it's out there for everybody. But the hours that we put into each episode are are kind of staggering, actually, from the moment that Rachel came to me with the idea of what's our format going to be? Are we going to do a this week kind of thing, which we ended up doing, and then researching each of those days to try to find things that uh, we think our listeners would be interested in or that they could learn about. And then once we kind of nailed down those topics, kind of going on a deep dive to find out everything we can that A, is factual and B, would be interesting to the listener. I know we mentioned it in, I think, episode three or four when we're talking about Watergate. I fell down a number of internet rabbit holes (laughs) throughout this project because you never really know what you're going to find, especially when you're researching controversial topics, I mean, like Watergate. There's a little bit of everything out there. Sifting through the weeds can get uh, can get you lost sometimes, which certainly happened to me. 
You probably noticed we kept going back to Mike Gorman with the Richmond National Battlefield Park. Colton did these interviews. Can you talk about meeting Mike Gorman for the first time and why we keep bringing him back? Mike Gorman is kind of, I guess you could say, the diamond in the rough. I contacted the American Civil War Museum that is right here in Richmond next to historic Tredegar, which is where our first interview with Mike was. Kind of said, do you have anybody there that would be able to talk about the Battle of Cold Harbor? And they said, sure, we've got uh, a guy named Mike Gorman. Um, He's kind of our Civil War expert here, and he's, you know, works around the various battlefields around Richmond. But I walked in, and he was the only one kind of behind the desk, and he was already telling stories and almost giving a, a visual tour from behind the desk, sitting in the chair to a few folks that were standing there in front of him. And I kind of knew right away that he was going to be a pretty good storyteller, but I wasn't quite ready for just how good of a storyteller he was. That first interview was done in a stairwell of historic Tredegar. I mean, I think I asked him two or three, maybe four questions, and he went for more than a half hour. The guy is just an incredible wealth of knowledge, but not just a wealth of knowledge that he can just tell you facts. I mean, it is it is the full story, A to Z, with every detail you can imagine. I kept waiting for the interview to get bland or boring or something like that. People think historian, you know, boring, monotone, blah kind of voice, I guess. But Mike Gorman is the exact opposite of that. After that first interview, I remember coming back uh, and telling you, Rachel, you know, this guy is incredible. And you kind of looked at me like, oh, yeah, you're like the nerdy producer. Incredible to you is probably like really kind of lame. True story. I really did look at him and go, oh, I don't know. And then played her a little bit of the interview and some of his uh, best moments from that first interview. Her eyes kind of lit up, too, like mine did when I first heard him, is that this guy can really tell a story and this guy really knows what he's talking about. Which is why we went back to Mike Gorman for the Seven Days Battles. That just so happened for those later episodes, I believe four and five. He was stationed that day at the Cold Harbor office, which right outside of that door, we went behind the building and did that interview. You can kind of hear some birds in the background. It was a beautiful day. The fields around that battlefield office are the actual battlefields where some of these seven days battles happened. So that was pretty surreal to have him kind of describing all this carnage and war and, you know, and he talks about the rebel yell and this two and a half mile wide line of this Confederate march. And he kind of, at one point in the interview, he just pointed over at the end of this field and he said that's basically where it started and there were cars going by on a nearby road and he said that road right there that's where Stonewall Jackson rode in for one of those battles and that was pretty incredible which only enhanced I think his storytelling with us being right there in the midst of it. There are moments too when you can hear in Mike's voice you almost can hear him smiling or thinking like he's really there. What is he looking like when he's telling these stories because I can feel his energy and it's just infectious and crazy and you you want to hear more and that's why we kept inviting him back. Yeah, and, and Rachel, you mentioned a few days ago his, his moment in I believe episode 5. Mike is talking about how, you know, the Union soldiers are in the barracks slapping each other on the backs and saying, we're going to get those guys, you know, we're going to win this war. And Mike's face during that time, and and as I was telling Rachel, I mean, it was just a beaming smile because he was just, he I mean, he was acting as if he was there in those barracks or in those, I guess, tents at the time. I mean, it's just, it only adds to his storytelling prowess, I guess you could say, because it's just, he really brings out the emotion of the day that he has gleaned through things like letters that have survived to this day, or, or books, or biographies, or you name it. Anything that survived first-hand accounts of the Civil War battles, he's read it, he knows it, and he's felt it, and he's a great resource for us. 
We want to thank you, Mike, because you've truly been amazing. And we've had a lot of amazing guests. We want to thank everyone who has been with us this season and everyone who Colton has interviewed or I have interviewed. One of the other people I get a lot of questions about or just they say they really liked the story was the opening assaults at Petersburg and the Dabneys of Dinwiddie. I'm talking about Emmanuel Dabney. Emmanuel Dabney really resonated with people. Why do you think that is, Colton? I mean, he's just another guy that is a wealth of knowledge and he knows what he's talking about. I walked into the Petersburg National Battlefield Park to do the interview. Emmanuel was behind the desk reading a five-inch thick encyclopedia, it appeared, that I assume was on the Civil War. And that right away kind of said everything I needed to know in that this guy's going to know exactly what he's talking about. Emmanuel was recommended to me from Mike Gorman because I mentioned to Mike at the end of our first interview about Cold Harbor that we were thinking about doing an interview about the opening assaults at Petersburg. And I thought, well, Mike, you're so good. Let's let's you and I talk about Petersburg. And he said, oh, no, no. You need, if you're going to talk about Petersburg, you need to go down to Petersburg and talk to the only person in this area. He's like the expert on it, Emmanuel Dabney. So he gave me Mr. Dabney's contact info and kind of went from there. And so we went down into this basement office of the Petersburg National Battlefield Park. And I said, I asked Mike three or four questions and he went for 35 minutes. I think I asked Emmanuel probably three questions and he went for 55 minutes. He was incredible. He was down to the time of day, the temperature that time of day. He could probably tell you which soldiers were wearing which pins. I mean, he knew each regiment. He knew each battalion, this, that. And it, I mean, frankly, way too much information that for us to include in the podcast. But that was one thing about the Petersburg segment is I wrote it originally really, really, really long because I wanted to try to include all this great stuff that Emmanuel had given me in the interview. And I remember Rachel just looked at it, didn't even read it. Rachel looked at it and just said, this is way too long. <laughs> So I have to tell you all, that's the one time I've known Colton for three years now. That is the one time that Colton got mad at me and his face turned bright red and he was so mad. And I knew I'd hit a nerve at that moment. And I went, "Okay, let me back off. But we've got to take care of this episode. (laughs) So we we do kind of a read through of each segment as I write them, um, if we get the chance. And that one, I think we were both having maybe a a tough morning. (laughs) So that was a very interesting read through of that uh, segment. I would venture to say that that turned into a beautiful episode and was a great collaboration in the end. And people really liked it because I've heard a lot of people talk about the Petersburg episode. Yes, it certainly worked out, but it was a bumpy road to get there. We try in these episodes to touch on a little piece of every history. And if you've noticed and we've said, they kind of all weirdly intersect or maybe teach us something about the past that comes back around in the future. We've had a lot of civil war, but that's because, right, Colton, the civil war happened here. So we want to feature that in the episodes. But we really do try really hard to find other things happening in other decades and centuries. I mean, we definitely do. And and I think you hit it right on the head in that the civil war happened around us. And that was one of the things that drew me to come to love history so much is that it's not something you're reading in a book or you're hearing about that happened, you know, hundreds of miles away. Mike said it in the interview out at Cold Harbor. This is this is Richmond's backyard. You can probably drive no more than 15 or 20 minutes in one direction and find somewhere where there was a Civil War battle. Um, I used to live in the Churchill area, and I believe on East Broad Street, I stumbled upon a stone in the sidewalk that was a little bit raised above, and I looked down, and it was a carved stone saying that this building served as a Confederate hospital. There's so much of it, and there's so much that I think people don't 
know that much about. And I think that's something that we tried to bring to our listeners with this podcast is go beyond just the words on the historical marker. You know, one of my favorite parts of one of the episodes was actually a surprise. I was looking back for episode six, trying to figure out what have we covered recently that we could include in this episode? Because we do try to look for things that happened in the last 10 years or so. When I saw that the fight over the slave burial ground happened about eight years ago, that really resonated with me. And I thought it would be a really good moment in the podcast. Then we found a perfect person to interview for that. And we already had a lot of sound in our archives about this issue. And I think it's something that is really poignant because it's something we don't talk about that often. And there's a lot of people that want to know more about where they came from or what happened to their ancestors. And this is that moment, too. Yeah. And I think when Rachel kind of approached me with that, we kind of said, how do we segue out of that segment of the, you know, the burial ground being uncovered? And we kind of both said, what about the history of Richmond and the slave trade, which is some of this city's darkest days, I think is fair, very fair to say. Well, something that really surprised me is when I, I used to live over in that area of town, I was walking on Broad Street towards downtown, kind of right where 90, we go over 95, and there was the historical marker for, I believe, Gabriel Prosser, and that was where he was executed. If you go down below, we, there's this little dirt path off the sidewalk that goes below Broad Street. It brings you down to this big, huge, grassy field. It looks almost like a, a soccer field without any you know markings. This is that burial ground, and I didn't know about this, and this was long before Rachel and I talked about doing this, it was it was just chilling to see you're standing under Interstate 95, basically, in the middle of downtown, and it's just this big grassy field, and you read these signs that hundreds, if not thousands, of slaves were buried here, or for lack of a better word, dumped there. Because when the James would overflow, it would pick up these bodies and carry them out to sea, basically, from Richmond. And it even says, you know, many of the bodies are no longer there because the river swept them up. But you can imagine for people whose ancestors these were, I mean, this is just horrific. And this is near, you know, the Lumpkins jail site, which we mentioned. I think the most chilling part about it for me, and we didn't get into this in the podcast, but right down near that area, if you turn around, there's a big kind of pillar that holds up Interstate 95. And there's a small little marker that you'd miss if you weren't looking for it. Turn around that massive stone block that's holding up Interstate 95 is the exact stone that was used as the city's gallows. And that really, like, punch in the gut because it was just how many thousands of people took their last breath standing on that rock that now thousands of people traverse over every day not thinking twice about it. Unbelievable. And I guess one other thing, Rachel, while we're talking about things that kind of really surprised us, actually came in episode two. Coming from the Midwest, I didn't, I'd seen Loving versus Virginia. I didn't really know what that meant until researching for episode two. Just stunned that in 1967, marrying someone of another race was illegal, not just in the, the Deep South. I mean, Virginia is the Mid-Atlantic, and it was 16 states where marrying someone of a different race was illegal in the years leading up to 1967. That is less than a generation ago. And that really was like, whoa, I, like, I need to take a step back from that because that, I mean, talk about a punch in the gut. That just is stunning to me. You can't make the argument, oh, that was 150 years ago. That was 200 years ago. We're past that. We've gotten past that. We haven't. People are alive today that remember that very well. 
that's why we're here is to kind of spread the knowledge around about what happened in all these different decades and all these different time periods. And I want to let you know, it's been so fun to put this together. And we're so appreciative of Colton to trek all across Virginia to research these stories and write a lot of these stories and tell these stories with us. And we want to make sure that he gets the credit he is due because he's done a lot of work on this. But also, we are working on season two right now, aren't we, Colton? We are. And I will not let this go into the edit. Rachel said episode two twice. I had to correct her and say season two. Yes, we are working on a season two. Such a fact checker. (laughs) Um, It's important to be correct. Uh, Yes, I'm excited about uh, season two. We've got some ideas kind of... uh, that we've thrown into the pot so far and we're going to cook it up and see what we can make. And if you have any ideas, we're going to be doing the podcast in November and December. So if you know of any historical events you think we should feature, please let us know. We have an email address. It is here at NBC12.com. But Colton, thank you so much. Thanks, Rachel. This podcast is recorded by WWBT NBC12 in Richmond, Virginia. If you don't mind, rate and review us so others will find us. And as we mentioned, season two is a go. We'll be back in your life in November.